You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We have a Celtics post-game show coming up later. We're going to talk about a lot of this stuff. Um, throughout the uh, game, after the game. It's kind of a ho-hum layup game against the Raptors. They're going to be missing all of their players. But we do have interesting trade rumors we didn't want to wait till after uh, to get to them. Uh, and they involve a bunch of big names that we've been kicking around on the thread, uh, on the uh, on the live streams all of this time. Some really big fish out there that the Celtics are supposedly in on. Um, so we'll go name by name. But Again, this is Shams, very plugged in, the athletic, throwing out Vucevic, throwing out uh, Jeremy Grant, throwing out Harrison Barnes. These are all enticing names. And honestly, those three plus Aaron Gordon are probably the big fish on the market. Gordon, of course, is dealing with the sprained ankle, so teams are waiting to see there. But those are the big names out there. We've been hearing them all the time. I'm going to start with Bobby's boy, uh, Vucevic. Part of that report was that it's going to be a massive haul. Now, we've been debating on all day, Bobby, what that actually entails. But first, this you turned on this guy, meaning turned towards this guy yeah. as your guy. Tell us why. Tell us what you think, what you'd be willing to give up here for the Celtics to get it done. So I was never the biggest fan of him. I, I, and the Celtics were previously interested in him during that Kemba Walker offseason. They yep. were hot on him because they had the max cap space after Kyrie and Horford left could have filled him down the middle so there's a connection there obviously Kemba came along and grabbed that but now you have the chance to have four all-stars on the team if Kemba and people hated that, that name back then they hated it yeah and it's- I still don't love it now but I think context is everything you don't have cap space forever now there's only so many ways you can improve into the future so why not grab the best player available and I think out of all the options we're going to talk about today this guy's an all-star he pushes 30 points a game on many nights I Dominant rebounder, probably one of the best rebounders in basketball this year. Defense, we'll see. I think it's all situational, but he's kind of a disaster down there in Orlando defensively. That could change in Boston. And the three-point shot. By zone, he's the best three-point shooter above the break in basketball this year. So that's perfect in Boston's pick-and-pop offense. He'd get open shots above the arc all day there. He can post up. He's seven feet. I know people will love that. He's a real big. <laughs> so he'd just give them a bunch of different options and outlets for offense and size that they don't have right now. And this is what I love about it. And you're going to love this too, John. If they can find a way to clear Tice in a potential deal here, clear Thompson in a deal here, and you're left with Robin Bucevic, 
See, you know, that's the dream. Yeah. That's the dream. So look at it this way, though. If you're the other team coming back, you don't want to take on Thompson or Tice. So you know Rob is automatic. Certainly if you're going um, to go big, you know, to go get somebody else's big, I don't see any world in which you make a trade, really any trade at this point, and Rob Williams is still a Celtic. So anybody at home saying, do it, do it, do it, I think has to get used to kind of giving up on their binky, which is Rob Williams, which is going to be – hard for a lot of Celtics fans to be able to live with that. So I said no on it. Where are you? On Williams? But that's the thing is like, this is again, this is where we started the season, right? Uh, in terms of, uh, um, oops, sorry. On terms of the, um, the what didn't make a trade. The Celtics as constituted didn't have any assets beyond draft picks theoretically because uh, there's no none of the young players are performing. But if they started to perform, then we'd be reluctant to get rid of them. And so now that Rob Williams is starting to flash and people are thinking, wow, is this a franchise cornerstone sort of player? Now it's much harder to part with. But if you're another team and you're looking at Pritchard, Neesmith, Romeo, and Rob, who and and who's the first one you're asking for? You're going to ask for Rob, right? Yeah, and you're right. I, I don't see him surviving any trade because every team not only wants picks, they want – they want players like that. They want a player who might be something way more than that in a year or two. And the only person on this team that screams that is Rob. Yeah, and you're right. It's a good thing, frankly. We, we didn't think anybody on this roster was tradable and valuable coming into this year. I've argued that Tice is, but he's certainly less than Rob. And then you talk about P Pritchard. He's probably going to be at some point in the future a valuable asset as well. So they're building those, which is good. That's what they needed to do in the first quarter, second quarter of the season this year is try to play young guys enough where they were going to be enticing his trade options. And I think anybody on the Orlando side right now would look at Rob and say, that's it. That's it right there. Yeah. Smart was another guy. I've talked to so many different people on the Orlando side, and Smart was thrown on almost every conversation. Now, our guy Keith Smith um, at Celtics blog, he's close to the magic and – he doesn't view Smart as an Orlando building block, and he's only signed. I don't think he is for anyone like that. Yeah, he, so again, that's the thing with Smart is it doesn't. It's not when we've debated Smart or not. It's not debating Smart's value. I just think it's greater to the Celtics. Like Smart's the player that winning teams want and need. And yeah, it wouldn't be bad to kick kick some asses in a team struggling with culture. Absolutely, if you wanted to do that. But when you're talking about what you want back, it's young, it's cheap, it's future. You want max flexibility. Uh, you want to have money when you can spend it. You don't want, even though smart is totally affordable by today's NBA standards, it's just not a building block sort of piece. He's the type of guy that you bring on to a winning team or a team on the cusp. And that's why I don't see him being a real chip in any trade. I think if you give him up, you're going to be worse for it than anything else. And I, I just don't think any team wants that back. Yeah, their need, and we talked about this in the past shows that we've done after games, their need for him right now from a point guard position, defense certainly, shooting, all that stuff. They need in a big way right now. And obviously they would lose something intangible in giving him up. So it's almost a good thing that Orlando wouldn't necessarily want him. So what, yep. what would we be talking about, Rob? So play GM right now. The offer on the table, you've got to make the offer to get Vucevic. What's the most you're willing to part with if you're Danny? So I've come at it from the perspective of the Celtics don't need any picks whatsoever. Like they are just done drafting players. 18 and five years. The, the roster is completely jam-packed with young guys. Just dump them all in the Boston Harbor, as I said. Like just get them out of here. I would go as many as four. 
for Vucevic just to keep players on board, maybe even try to keep Rob until that last minute. But if, if it truly came down to haggling time and they wanted Rob, I'd give that up. And if the picks aren't all that enticing, then you probably go to Lankford, Neesmith, those kind of guys. I wouldn't trade Pritchard right now, probably. Like, I wouldn't go that far. But again, if it comes down to haggling time and they say Pritchard or nothing here and they're, the other options aren't looking that good for Boston, I still think it's so urgent for them to do something massive with this TPE to parlay it into an all-star player, into a guy that can be with the team for years to come. And Vucevic is signed three years, this year included. It'd be tough to not give up basically anything short of smart at, at this point for him. Like, they just... They just need to hit this TP out of the park. And I keep telling you guys, don't wait till the offseason. Yeah. Like, you lose opportunity then. There's other, uh, you know, assets. Draft picks are going to be more concrete. So teams will have advantages if they're higher in the draft. I think you just got to hit this while people are going to be a little uh, passive and the uh, market's going to favor more aggressive teams. So I don't know. I, I guess my initial offer would probably be something like Rob Neesmith. Langford and two first, maybe that that would probably entice them a little bit. Yeah, I you know I'm not ready to move. Uh, I'm not ready to move uh, Pritchard ahead of Neesmith, even though he's clearly shown more right now. I think you're still going the guy with the pedigree who you drafted at 14, who you think is going to be a valuable rotation player versus Pritchard, who's older than Jason Tatum, and right now obviously more. So you ready would trade Pritchard over Neesmith. Definitely. And, and and not because of what I've seen. Pritchard oh, looks right. like a much more capable player. I'm just rolling the dice that Neesmith – I'm not getting Neesmith as the type of player they envisioned they were getting when they drafted him. That could be proven wrong, and you might know it in less than a year, but way too early. I think Pritchard is what he is and will continue to be roughly this level of player. I don't know that he ascends to too much beyond that. A good bench – point guard, spark plug, confident guy, person you're comfortable running that second team unit. Uh, but that's about it. Neesmith, you're looking hopefully to be someone who can start, maybe be a third wing for you or be an absolute dynamo coming off the bench, scoring 14, 15, 16 a game. That's what you're hoping. So I don't know if that's the case, but I do want to move on because we don't have, I don't, we can't spend all day on this. Uh, we've got live programs on CLNS media throughout the day that we got to rifle through, but let's get to the second guy. Uh, and again, this is this is a guy you like a lot too. Um, you know, to me, as I said, is right now I, my only targets. I, I Vucevic is great, and but all things being equal, if you could keep the bigs on this roster, I would live with that set of bigs in order to put all the chips in to get that third wing and the thing that you're missing for with Gordon Hayward. I thought this was a championship team last year with Hayward without him getting hurt. They absolutely could have made it to the finals. I think they could have given a run in those finals. And I think if they ran it back right now with Hayward and everybody fully healthy this year, they'd be right back there too. So this, I think, is what they're missing more than anything. This positional versatility, the ability to play that switchable defense, another person to have that offensive load lifted so you don't feel like you have to have two out of three players. And again, Vucevic would do that too, just from a different place. But and this is the guy I want, the guy who can defend the big wing. I think this is the prize if you can get it. And I think Barnes is in that category too, um, is another person you're going to consider here. But again, Grant, two more years on his contract, $20 million. This is the first year he's really shown star potential. 
uh, every other year of his case. This is his fifth team with Detroit, okay? This is a guy who a year ago was traded for a first-round pick. Um, I don't know what it's going to take to get him, but I think if you can, this is a person I would absolutely go heavy on. I'd be willing to give more for Grant than I would for Vucevic, even though Vucevic might be an all-around better player based on what I think the team needs. I agree, and it probably will take more to get him because of yeah. the fact that he's become their centerpiece player. The story behind him is interesting, too. But he, he is might- one of those guys you are worried, Bobby, I will say. Good stats, bad team. You see these guys. A lot of guys can go places and score 20 points a game, and then they go on a good team, and they're 13, 14 points a game, and everyone's like, oh, what did we pay all this money for? You know, like I, I think he might fall into that kind of category of guys. a nice player, but I don't think he's a guy who's averaging 25 points per game on a good team. So I, I followed his career pretty closely because he went to Syracuse. Yeah, of course. A, he was a great player at Syracuse. And he got he got picked like 43rd overall by Philly, got lost in the shuffle with those teams that were tanking, yep. and then went to Oklahoma City. They dumped him because they had other plans. And then in Denver, I know he was only there a year, but he was such an important part of that West Conference Finals team as a role player, which is, of course, what he would be in Boston as well. Corner three-point shooting through the roof. Defensive versatility, outstanding. Uh, his his ability to score off the dribble has gone through the roof here. So you say good stats, bad team. Certainly wouldn't be averaging 24 here the way he has been throughout much of this year. But his shooting, his offensive ability is sustainable, I think. Especially the three-point shot. I love his shot. So I look at him and say, if I had to pick between him and Hayward, I'd actually probably go with him over Hayward. So, wow. Because of yeah. the youth? A little bit of the youth, but I also think he's a great defender. Like, he is a phenomenal four defender. Now, Hayward was a really good defender, too, because he had size. But this guy's been a defender his whole life, and he's only gotten better, and he has Their size. Their profile is similar. Players. They're both 6'8", both long. They cut, you know, I mean. Now, Hayward's better on offense. There's, yeah. there's no doubt about that. Grant's well, kind of come into he his can offense. handle the ball and, yeah. Yeah, but he's come such a long way in that. I just don't think he's available. I know Scale's been throwing out his name all year because they played Detroit three times, and every time they played them, he was throwing out his name as the TPE guy because he fits. I don't get it either. I just, yeah, I I think he, if you read into the reason he went to Detroit with the community and Black Lives Matter and, you know, black GM, black coach, that kind of thing, I actually believe that. I don't think that's just like Hayward, for example, saying, I always want to be a Hornet. I actually think there's something to that. And Detroit, like they, they don't have a guy to work around right now. I don't think Grant's like the cheese jobs, right? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think he's like a future star there, but he's a building block for them. And he signed three years, which isn't forever, but to your point, they're going to have to really entice them. And I think teams, it's not that much money. Like you're paying $20 million, which was an old, overpay on a guy who was averaging 12 teen points a game who you thought might be better too. Yeah. now averaging 23 points per game for you who's a fringe all-star type player and certainly in the conversation if not leading the pack for comeback player of the year uh most improved player rather yeah. um that's you couldn't get this on the open market if he went if he were a free agent this offseason they would pay a great deal more than what they're paying so right now he's a bargain at 20 million for the next couple of years which means i don't know what you're what you're gaining if you're Detroit by by selling this piece unless you get a godfather offer in return. So I've never understood. I think everyone looks at trades based on what teams want. They look at bad teams and they're like, let's just loot those teams. But if you're that bad team, it's got to be worth it for you. And right now I can't see a scenario that it is for Detroit. It makes no, no sense. 
not with the Celtics. I, I think a team like the Warriors, who have the Timberwolves pick, could make an enticing. That's offer right. There. That's yeah. what I mean. It, that's a different story. That's where the Celtics suffer. They only have their own picks. And given that they're going to be competitive for several years, that's not that great. You're a lot of bottom feeding picks right now is what you're giving. Yeah, I don't see Grant moving this year, period. Maybe they take a look at it in the offseason and see what other picks. I don't see out. a period. I'm with yeah. you. And one they have their who, own they have their yeah. own pick, which is gonna to be top three. So yeah. well, I think they're in a good spot move, now. Uh is is this. Um again, um according to Shams Barnes, he's talking to a GM, uh, anonymous GM. No way he's there after the deadline. We talked about whether Sacramento would be interested or not. This again is the guy where I think the price is probably doable for the Celtics and you have a team willing to move him and they have the money to make this work and they might be a pr ideal fit for this type of player. So as I keep going around, you might have dream scenarios where the players are better with Vucevic and Grant theoretically. This might be the fit that makes the most sense in terms of what the Celtics are willing to give up, what they can do, if they, they can take on this salary and it is the type of player that they need. He's not going to come in and be franchise saving, and he's no more than an 80% of what you were getting with Hayward. But I do think he makes a difference. I think if the price is right, that this is a reasonable scenario here. Yeah, and I think he hit the mark with 80%. That's probably about what he is of Hayward. And that's pretty good, especially at the price yeah. tag here, what it would cost to get him. As they sink further and further, and I know he's not an expiring contract or anything like that, I think the onus on moving him is going to be pretty substantial this year. And this is a guy at 22 million who you do start to creep into the range of having an advantage with the TP. You don't have to match that like other teams would, which makes it easier for him to go to Boston. And I don't think what you'd have to give up in that scenario would be all that devastating to you. I, I think, again, you look to the wings, Langford, Neesmith, who, of course, are, you know, our Kings writer there, Greg Throat is a name. And... I think whatever you give up for him, you're going to be able to swallow and be okay with because he's exactly what they need right now. You know, wing shooting, wing defense, a little bit of short roll creation, secondary playmaking. There's a lot of, you know, it's not Jeremy Grant level Hayward impact, but there's, you know, a poor man's Hayward impact here to some degree. He's done a ton of the playmaking with for the Kings this year, and he scored at a high level. I think he had 28 in their last game. So think of a guy a threat as a third wing on this team who could score 20 plus on any given night. They don't have anything bordering on that right now. And it would substantially no. change this team's fortunes, even though he's probably a role player and a you know, mid-level one at that. He's inconsistent. We all I remember think immediately a starter, immediately yeah. a starter. Yeah, I think he would start every night. I think you go back to your three wing lineup and you put smart back on the bench and you love that, you know, uh, and you love that. Yeah. That's absolutely what you do. You play one big three wings in Kemba uh, and you put Smart back on the bench with Rob and with Pritchard, and you're hoping with who else, you know, again, you never know. Again, Romeo, hopefully some more Neesmith. You have Semi, obviously, you know what he does. You have Tristan. All of a sudden, you actually start to feel pretty good um, again because that, that balance and that depth is spread out a little bit. You're always going to have one or two scorers on the floor. Different ball game. I think it makes a huge difference if they can do that. Yeah, and they probably want to swap. Barnes for a young player so picks would be enticing to them to some degree if they're going to be mid-level picks I think the Kings have had some success in recent years drafting a guy like Halliburton in one of those spots so I, I just think these are two yeah, teams that's made. Smith and a pick 
plus maybe who knows what else. If you can do that, you're you're in the you're in the you're in the game. It's just it's just a no brainer, and it, there'll be competition for him for sure. But I think the Celtics can get aggressive enough with some of their assets to make this happen. And uh, you know, Bealitsa's name's out there too, so maybe you can make this a little bit of yep. a bigger deal and get two players. You know, yep. a bench shooter would substantially help Pritchard sure. and Smart and all those guys you mentioned. So this is probably the one, right? Cost and benefit, that's it. Yeah. The rest of the wing market was on Anobi, which isn't going to happen because Toronto's playing better, and I don't think they would have traded him the Celtics anyway. Uh, and then, um, you know, Nance is also a possibility who I like as the lowest option of that group, but I actually would like, uh, and I think would cost the least. I actually like that as a bargain basement option, the Nance option um, as maybe the cheapest uh, in terms of what you would have to give up to, to, to make that work. But yeah, he's um, a bench player though. And Barnes is a starter. He is. It's less, but you also give up less, and yeah. it gives and it fills a need. Um, so that's something I would consider too. Uh, we could keep going, and I see more people joining the stream. So I'm sorry, we're not going to continue this, but we do have a post game show tonight. Um, so you can absolutely join us for that after the game. We'll talk some about the game, but we're going to talk a great deal about this stuff as well because honestly, it's more interesting. We're going to start looking at the second half a little bit. Celtics playing the Raptors without any starters. This one hopefully will be a cakewalk. Um, you know, so we will see after that. But Bobby, Jimmy, uh, Josue Pavone will all be back right after the game. So definitely join that stream. Subscribe if you haven't already. You'll be alerted when we go live. Uh, and until then, uh, Bobby, thanks. We will.